0: to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. It feels like it's been forever since we've talked. We talked very briefly last week, but it wasn't a normal episode. We didn't talk on Food for Thought last week because we didn't have an episode of Food for Thought. And so it feels like it's been forever since I've talked to you in a meaningful way about football. But here we are. We're going to talk in a meaningful way about football. And we're going to get to a lot of stuff. So, here's the way this episode is going to work We're going to talk about QB Stew. We're going to talk about Gabriel Davis. We're going to talk about Ken Dorsey. We're going to talk about Tremaine Edmonds. We're going to try to do plurality pie, but we'll just see how it goes and see if I run out of time. So, Let's get right into QB Stew. The final QB Stew. The last one of the year. 2022 regular season has wrapped up and the final results are in. Let's see how everybody did. For the uninitiated, QB Stew is a metric amalgamation I concocted in an attempt to have the flaws of one metric accommodated in the formula by the presence of another metric. You can find the formula either by going back to the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network from November. That's right. Thanksgiving day of 2020, or you can find it by typing QB stew into Google and Buffalo Rumblings. And the article will pull up as well. There's an article on Buffalo Rumblings as well that ranks not only this year, but has a link to previous years as well. So let's get into it. Number one, Patrick Mahomes, number two, Tua Tagovailoa, number three, Jalen Hurts, number four, Josh Allen, number five, Joe Burrow, number six, Geno Smith, number seven, Jacoby Brissett, eight, Trevor Lawrence, nine, Jimmy Garoppolo, 10, Jared Goff, 11, Justin Herbert, 12, Lamar Jackson, 13, Andy Dalton, 14, Daniel Jones, 15, Tom Brady, 16, Dak Prescott, 17, Ryan Tannehill, 18th, Kirk Cousins, 19th, Aaron Rodgers, 20th, Marcus Mariota, 21st, Derek Carr, 22nd, Taylor Heineke, 23rd, Kenny Pickett, 24th, Kyler Murray, 25th, Matthew Stafford, 26th, Mac Jones, 27th, Justin Fields, 28th, Zach Wilson, 29 Matt Ryan, 30th, Davis Mills, 31st, Zach Wilson, 32nd, Carson Wentz, 33rd, Baker Mayfield. In order to qualify, you had to have 250 dropbacks and 288 at least total snaps. That's why you end up with 33 quarterbacks, because two Washington quarterbacks, Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, broke those appropriate thresholds. So, a couple observations from going through this year's QB stew. Josh Allen another elite season, and one that I think was better than 2021. Sometimes when we look back at Josh Allen's 2021, we have a tendency to look at it more fondly than it was because we're conflating the regular season in the playoffs. Josh Allen's playoffs were legendary. Josh Allen's regular season was very good. He finished with a stew score of 11 in the 2021 regular season, which was 12th in the NFL. This year, 5.43, fourth in the NFL. And right there with Jalen Hurts, who's an MVP caliber year. So again, Josh Allen had an MVP caliber year. Every single metric that comprises Stu saw Allen with an equal or increased mark this year relative to last. The biggest jumps came in passer rating where he jumped eight places. Average net yards per attempt jumped eight places. And defensive adjusted value over average, where he jumped 10 ranks. He had a mid-season elbow injury, a rash of turnovers, but yet continues to be an elite quarterback by basically any measurement. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the NFL MVP. QB Stew has correctly predicted the NFL MVP when it was a quarterback. All three of the previous years has been tracked. I do not believe it will be different this year. Mahomes managed to lose one of the best receivers in the league this last offseason and put up more efficient numbers than the year before. His final stew composite, which is 1.86, compares very favorably to the last two NFL MVPs, which was Rodgers in 2021, 1.57, and 2020, 1.42. He's number one on the list. If I were a betting man, I'd put money on Patrick Mahomes to win the NFL MVP. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers... Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady fell significantly. Last year, they were number one and number two on the stew rankings, respectively. After the 2022 season, Rodgers is now at 19 and Brady is 15. I think one of the things that you saw this year is how an elite quarterback in Patrick Mahomes responded to the loss of Tyreek Hill versus the way that Aaron Rodgers responded to the loss of Devontae Adams. Not the same. The passing offense really flowed through Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And without him, it just wasn't the same. Tom Brady lost an offensively inclined head coach. Both players got a year older. They had significant offensive line issues in Tampa Bay. All of these things came together to make the two of them fall off the cliff. Tua was fantastic when he played. But we are going to continue to have a sample size concern. Tua only played 70% or more of his team snaps in 12 games this year. He suffered multiple concussions, and in doing so, there's been doubt casted on whether or not he will be the team's quarterback week one of 2023, despite what I would consider to be exceptional play. Tua ranked in the top 10 in every single efficiency metric that's part of QB Stew. When he ranked outside of the top 10, in all of the same metrics in 2021. There isn't a question to me as to whether or not he was great in 2022. He was. The idea that Tua is just not good in that system is just false. He is. The questions revolve around whether or not that level of play would have continued if more games were played. Because 12 games is not a meaningful sample size when you have a much more meaningful sample size of non-elite quarterback play. And then you have the question of whether or not his health is going to keep him from repeating what was admittedly a magical 2022 regular season at times. He was fantastic when he played overall in 2022. But there's a reasonable chance that despite showing up this high on the Stu rankings, that he's not the quarterback. For the Miami Dolphins, week one of 2023. Could be because they move on, could be because he moves on. But there was no question that he played really, really well overall when he played this year. So that's QB Stew. Josh Allen's final QB Stew rankings second in QBR, eighth in passer rating, sixth in average net yards per attempt, fourth in EPA per play, fifth in DVOA, first in PFF grade. And 12th in CPOE. His final stew score was 5.43. Rounded up to the nearest hundredth. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. And thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We did the final QB stew. We had a big old bull of it, but now we've got a lot of other things to talk about. Bills wide receiver Gabriel Davis has been a hot topic of conversation this week on social media, so we're going to talk about him. For the last couple of years, post-draft, Joe Marino, host of Locked on Bills from the Draft Network, and I have been doing a podcast together on his show, Locked on Bills, where we have the audacity To put our draft boards, what we would have done up next to Brandon Bean. And we do that so we can have something to go back to every year and say, okay, without having seen any of these rookies, without having any benefit of any hindsight, when it comes to the actual performance of the players on the field, what would we have done? And I was comparing my draft class for two thousand and twenty. To Brandon Beans draft class of 2020. What I would have done versus what he did. And I made the comment and I said. If Gabriel Davis ends up hitting. Then I think Brandon Beans got me beat. And a couple people commented. And said what do you mean if Gabriel Davis. What do you mean if he hits? He's already hit like crazy. What are you talking about? Insanity. A related note. On social media. In June of 2022, I tweeted out whether or not the Bills wide receiver room is better in 2022 than in 2021 is entirely on the development of Gabriel Davis, in my opinion. They added Crowder and Shakir. They subtracted Sanders and Beasley. I don't think it's better on paper unless Davis takes a step. Some of the responses included... Davis is an absolute monster now. He should have been ahead of Sanders last year. And Davis is a much better player than Sanders and Beasley were last year. Yes, it's absolutely an upgrade. Davis doesn't need to take a step. He needs to maintain. He's a great receiver. You should try actually watching the games. That one was one of my favorite. I'm not sure how you get better. Than the four touchdowns in the last game you played, referencing Davis. Didn't Davis already make the leap? We've talked a little bit on this podcast before about the assumption of improvement. We did it with Levi Wallace significantly after his first year. And we did it with Gabriel Davis this year. Gabriel Davis is a perfectly fine receiver, he's also limited. And inconsistent. You can do a lot worse than Gabriel Davis as your wide receiver too. But if I have what I believe to be a top three quarterback in the NFL, by almost anyone's opinion, very few people, if you pulled them, would have Josh Allen outside of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. Typically, that's the way you're going to look at it. Maybe not in that ranking. Maybe Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Maybe Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. Maybe Allen, Mahomes, Burrow. Whatever it is you want to do. You have a top three quarterback. And I recognize fully that you can do a lot worse than Gabriel Davis as a wide receiver too. But you can also do better. Let me outline the following names for you. And what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes for a second. Unless you're driving, please don't do that. And I want to say a name to you. And I want you to just think right off the top of your head as to whether or not you think this player is better or worse than Gabriel Davis. Ready? Let's go. Juju Smith-Schuster, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Curtis Samuel, Jacoby Myers, Van Jefferson, Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup. Why? Bruce, why'd you do this? Is it a trap? It is but not the way you think. I'm not going to go through the drop percentages of all those receivers, the total yards of all those receivers. Instead, I'm going to show you this. None of the teams who had these players were comfortable with them in their current roles. Even after the Cowboys had C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup as their wide receiver too, they still pursued Odell Beckham. Very publicly. The Chiefs have Juju Smith Schuster. They went out and got Kadarius Toney at the trade deadline. They drafted Sky Moore meaningfully. They spent meaningful assets. Donovan Peoples Jones in Cleveland is a hot topic because everybody thinks the Browns need one more weapon. They got Amari Cooper. They're happy with Amari Cooper. They've got Donovan Peoples Jones. If the Browns draft a wide receiver high next year, nobody's going to blink an eye. Curtis Samuel, the Washington Commanders drafted Jahan Dotson. Jacoby Myers, the Patriots drafted Tyquan Thornton. These are high picks. Van Jefferson, the Rams signed Allen Robinson. Christian Kirk, the Jaguars traded for Calvin Ridley. None of these receivers was good enough to stop their teams from making a move to push that receiver down one spot. The exception to this rule is Donovan Peoples-Jones, and it's, I'm using it because I feel very confident that the Browns are going to pursue a meaningful receiver. But let's just assume you want to take them out. Juju, Samuel, Myers, Jefferson, Kirk, Gallup. None of these players was so good that a team didn't search for a meaningful upgrade. Saying, I want the Bills to add another meaningful receiver and I want the Bills to upgrade from Gabe Davis are the same statement, one of them just hurts our feelings more. The fact that you're thinking about some or all of these names means you would put Gabe Davis in that general tier. Unless you said absolutely heck no, To every single one of those players, don't consider any of them to be an upgrade from Gabriel Davis, in which case I would question how you view Gabriel Davis. The fact that you think about that means you're willing to put Gabe Davis in that general tier. And that general tier is, we could use another receiver better than this guy tier. Saying that you want to add a more meaningful receiver and have Gabriel Davis not be your number two does not mean you hate Gabriel Davis. It doesn't even mean you think he's a bad number two. It means you might think he is limited and inconsistent. You might want someone who runs a more diverse route tree. You might want someone who has better hands as your number two. Someone who can win more ways than Gabriel Davis can win. And all of that's okay. Because every single one of those other receivers, who I think we can pretty much admit are in the Gabriel Davis neighborhood, had their teams, or I think will have their teams, be actively searching for a player who would push that player down on the depth chart. And that's okay. So I'm going to be pounding the table for a meaningful investment at wide receiver this offseason. That really never stops for me. I'm always pounding the table for a meaningful investment at wide receiver. Give me more weapons. Always. Always, always, always in the passing game. One of the reasons why I'm all on board with Cook slash Hines 2023 is because I don't want to add a running back. I'm going to be on hashtag team do nothing when it comes to running backs. Sign an undrafted free agent. There you go. You're good. I want those resources otherwise spent on wide receiver. Because Gabriel Davis is in that tier of, yes, we're okay with him as the wide receiver too. You could absolutely do worse, but you can absolutely do better too. Ken Dorsey requested for an interview as head coach of the Panthers. Some people are feeling all sorts of ways about the potential of losing the offensive coordinator another year in a row. And this is one of the things that comes up when you do not have a head coach who is a play caller. You think to yourself, okay, if we had a quarterback guru as our head coach, if we have an offensive whisperer, we wouldn't have to worry about this. The more the Buffalo Bills make this a Josh Allen-centric offense, the more easily the system will accept change at offensive coordinator. The two things that giving you elite quarterback benefits when it comes to this kind of thing, the two ways in which that helps are, number one, really good offensive coordinators are going to want to come because Josh Allen can be somewhat of a kingmaker and help his offensive coordinator catapult to a head coaching job. The second reason is the more the offense is Josh Allen's offense, the less the offensive coordinator matters to begin with. And that's one of the solutions to your concerns. So if you are concerned, if you are hesitant about Ken Dorsey potentially going and having to start over again, just have it be Josh Allen's offense. And when the offensive coordinator comes in, they can collaborate. On the offense, the more it is retained within the staple, the more the offense is the constant within Josh Allen, the less we have to worry about variance year over year as you have a new offensive coordinator because there'll be less and less variance because more and more of it is originating at Josh Allen level instead of at the coordinator level. The coordinator can come in and go, okay, let's talk about the language and we can hash it all out. And you can get fresh ideas and that's great. But it doesn't end up being Josh Allen quote-unquote learning a brand new system every single year, which is the main concern from people who want their head coaches to be offensive play callers is they don't want a quarterback learning a new system every year. Well, I'm here to tell you that doesn't have to happen. If a huge chunk of the system is retained within the constant, which is Josh Allen. So that's my reaction when I see Ken Dorsey. I have liked some of the adjustments that Ken Dorsey has made. I've really liked some of the wrinkles in the run game. I don't think I've been overall as satisfied with him as I was with Brian Dable. I think that there's a chance Ken Dorsey's better next year than he was this year. Again, first year calling plays ever. He's really, really green. And I don't know if I would want to hire him as my head coach knowing how green he is but if he were to leave my approach is let's just make sure that if you think Joe Brady's ready great keep the train right on and rolling if you don't think he's ready just make sure that as much of the offense that you hope to roll out in 2023 as possible is retained within Josh Allen Rokon Smith got a 20 million per year average annual deal Tremaine Edmonds has not had as good of a career overall as Roquan Smith has. But that doesn't really matter. Tremaine is probably in that neighborhood. I don't think you're going to get Tremaine for $14 million a year. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. Could you get him from 18 and a half? Sure. Yeah, you can get him for 18 and a half. Matt Milano signed for a smidge less than Levante David signed. So thinking that Tremaine Edmonds could sign for a smidge less then what you saw Roquan Smith sign for is reasonable. I'll tell you one thing I don't think they're going to do. I don't think they're going to tag him. The tag for linebackers is over $20 million. And you don't have any ability to spread that out or make that cap hit any better. It is flat $20 million plus, and you're done. I'm going to tell you this right now. Despite this, and despite the looming contracts of Ed Oliver, who you'd like to extend this offseason. Jordan Poyer, whose deal is over after this season. I still think the Buffalo Bills end up re-signing Tremaine Edmonds. When I think about Brandon being his two first draft picks, Josh Allen as quarterback in the offense, Tremaine Edmonds as quarterback of the defense, the way they talk about him as a leader in the locker room, I would still be shocked, despite what I saw from Roquan Smith, I would still be shocked, if Tremaine Edmonds was not a Buffalo Bill long-term. I don't think they're going to tag him. I think they are going to re-sign him. Oh, Bruce, we don't have the cap space. First off, you're right, we don't right now. But with restructures, there are tens of millions of dollars that can be created for the Buffalo Bills. You just further start to silo yourself into some of these contracts. But these players who have signed significant deals with the Bills under Brandon Bean, have any of them been players that you wanted to cut? How about Deion Dawkins? Josh Allen? Tredavious White? Matt Milano? Have any of these players been players that you're like, crap, I wish we would have cut them. I wish we could cut them, but we can't because we restructured them. No. So picking and choosing your restructure candidates... Stephon Diggs is a great example, can allow you to pull off a restructure, get the cash bait, and not put yourself in a bad circumstance. The problem that arises is that teams sign players to bad contracts and then double down by restructuring those bad contracts for those players that they later want to cut and it accelerates dead cap and now they're in trouble. But if you pick and choose wisely the players you re-sign and the contracts you structure the cap can be flexible. It's real. It's hundred percent real. It's just elastic. And that's the thing we need to talk about when we talk about the cap. And I talk about this in the offseason all the time that yes, the cap is real. It's just elastic. It's flexible. I can fit into my sweatpants. Even if I've had a gigantic meal afterwards, they might have to work a little bit harder, but I can still fit in my sweatpants because the waistband is elastic. When I've had a particularly big meal and I've worn them for a particularly long time, maybe I get a little judgy marks. We call those judgment marks on my stomach because the elastics kind of dug into me a little bit. But the cap is elastic, just like that. And so I think, based on everything we've talked about, that even though Roquan Smith signed a $20 million deal, I still think Tremaine Edmonds... We'll sign long-term with the Buffalo Bills. And I'll take my gigantic L if that doesn't happen. Folks, we are not going to get to Plurality Pie because I got to keep these podcasts in a reasonable length. So, I'm sorry for that. And I wish I could serve up some pie, but I guess, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rubblings.